Comrades and friends, uh, good evening. I'm Christine Blower and I'll be chairing this uh, event this evening. And there will be thousands of people joining us today. This is an event hosted by Arise, a festival of Labour left ideas, along with a range of campaigns doing the very important work of resisting the Tories. We've got trade unions with us, left organisations, campaigns, publications, and many thanks to everyone for coming along and joining this important event. Importantly, thank you for participating in what I think will be absolutely inspirational and motivating. Thanks to Patrick and all of the volunteer teams, of course. So we're really delighted that we've got so many people joining in, given that we've got yet more anti-protest laws coming along and criminalising and demonising climate campaigners who are taking direct action and draconian further restrictions on our right to strike. It is absolutely unbelievable. And the Public Order Act, a new assault on top of years of attacks on our basic civil liberties and democratic rights. As part of our growing resistance to this, tonight we're going to hear from lots of inspiring speakers bringing together a wide range of voices to stand up for our rights and to say enough is enough. We cannot stand for this any longer. Please, as the event goes along, donate uh, at the link provided so that Arise can continue hosting these important events and support all of the other campaigns in the links. And also make sure that uh, if you haven't done so, that you buy a ticket for the whole of the Arise a festival of left ideas, because we need to sell hundreds of tickets to make sure that we can keep all these things going on in the coming months. So I'm delighted to move on to those voices from the front line who are bringing resistance to the Tory attacks and coming together to amplify our collective voices. So let's move on to our speakers, all of whom will have four minutes, with the single exception of Fran Heathcote, our first speaker, who has the who has the privilege of five minutes. So Fran. PCS President, over to you. Thanks very much, Christine. I feel really guilty now. Um, let me just start by saying that PCS members have absolutely had enough. Attacked, devalued, diminished, 45,000 of them using a food bank, 40% reliable, reliant on the in-work benefits that they process, such as universal credit. Indeed, P and HMRC alone, our two biggest departments, 46,000 now languish below the national living wage after over a decade of pay restraint. Our members know that the answer to all of this is to withdraw their labour. Targeted action to hit the government hard alongside all member strikes, um, with even more members taking action every time we call that all member action, with a promise of much more to come. And PCS will defend that basic human right. The government talks about minimum service levels covering six key areas on strike days. But what about on non-strike days? What about service levels then? Over 500 patients dying in hospital every week. Needless delays as they seek to decimate our NHS. 70% of families living in poverty. Civil servants choosing between heating and eating. A far cry from the Sir Humphreys that we're portrayed as. If their bill becomes law, those key workers that we all clapped on a Thursday night will be conscripted. No choice but to accept their lot. 
It's class warfare. But Tories have a history of attacking civil servants. Let's remember their withdrawal of the right to pay union subs via checkoff. PCS fought back. We won every time this went through the courts. And we will fight with, with the same determination for trade union rights whenever and wherever they're threatened. Over the last three months, that hundreds of thousands of civil servants have been taking part in the biggest wave of civil service strike action in decades. The action a reminder that public and civil servants play a crucial role in all aspects of public life, literally from cradle to grave. A 2% pay offer with food inflation at 16% just doesn't cut it. This government can stop these strikes today by putting money on the table. They've not now published a more generous remit, and let's face it, we wouldn't have got that without the action that's been taken so far, but it's still the lowest anywhere in the public sector and still absolutely no recognition for the cost of living crisis, nothing at all for 2022. Whenever Westminster has direct involvement in the current strike wave, little progress has been made. So we all know how bad things are. What are we gonna do about it? Shamefully, ministers would rather take away our rights than give their own staff a fair pay rise to help them through the cost of living crisis and beyond. And whilst the Labour Party has said that they'll repeal that legislation within the first 100 days of taking up office, we have to hold their feet to the fire on this as well. So we need to use our collective strength. We need to join together trade unionists, service users, social movements, claimant groups, and build the biggest, most coordinated movement possible. One capable of fighting back, one capable of defeating their attacks, if we're divided, the Tories gain. If we're united, standing together, we can push them back on all of this, and we will do. Not one more cut, not one more privatisation, not one more attack tolerated. So let's campaign together. Let's defend workers, defend communities, defend our services to the public. If we stick together, we are on the cusp of something significant. I bring you our absolute solidarity. Thank you so much. That's brilliant. You know, the opening just shows the absolutely hideous nature of this Tory government, its authoritarian shift. And the fact is, it's set to continue. That's why we have to resist. OK, so our next speaker hasn't quite managed to get on yet. So I'm going to go straight now to Kate Osborne. She's a lifelong trade unionist and internationalist, as I know from having visited Colombia with her. And, uh, and, also, uh, and also she's an MP, of course. Over to you, Kate. Thanks, Christine. And uh, it's absolutely uh, brilliant to be here uh, and having this opportunity to speak. Every day, raw sewage is being dumped into our rivers and seas, turning British waterways into an open sewer. And every day we see a new Tory scandal lying about something, destroying yet another one of our public services. More corruption and dumping more shit on everything they touch not just in our waterways. Every week I speak to businesses and families that are struggling, that have had lives and livelihoods destroyed by this callous government. A massive 39% of kids in my constituency are living in poverty. Locally and in Parliament, we do our best to mitigate against the damage they are causing to services, people, businesses and communities. But after 13 years of destruction, cuts and chaos, it's becoming harder and harder. And of course, that means more and more people are starting to resist. More people standing up and saying that enough is enough. From protests on sewage in Henley-on-Thames to big business saying this government need to use a wealth tax, 
It is no longer just a few people speaking out. Huge swathes of society are saying we can't take any more. And that is why we are seeing such vicious attacks on our right to resist and our fundamental human rights. The window in society has changed. Virtually everyone knows someone who is or has taken strike action over the last few months. The minority who don't are people like Sinek who boast that they have no working class friends. People who used to donate to food banks are now reliant on using them. Nurses, firefighters, teachers and many others reliant on food banks. And yet the Tories deny that there's a problem, instead blaming nurses for poor budgeting skills. In the, in the face of this rise in resistance, the government <clears throat> are reacting with an authoritarian agenda. Only the most authoritarian of states would legislate to give a minister the power to crush the human rights of workers and the rights of their unions to protect their members. The Tories are on a mission to take power away from the people, turning the clock back on the rights of the vast majority of people in this country, workers, women, trade unionists and LGBT plus people with their war on woke, anti-trans rhetoric and talking up a review on religious and sex education that would take us back to the days of Section 28, where if we just don't talk about trans people, they will stop existing. Restrictions on teaching our children how to be safe in the home and in relationships. The government's bonfire of rights has shown not only a reckless disregard for parliamentary process, but also for the consequences on society. The rise in hate crime, a consequence of their rhetoric, the rise in anti-immigration and racist attacks, a consequence of their inflammatory rhetoric and policies. The hundreds of thousands of avoidable deaths caused by their deliberate destruction, underfunding and privatisation of our NHS. The social care crisis, the rise in antisocial behaviour and mental health crisis in young people, all a consequence of their destruction of local government services. Right to strike, right to protest, right to vote, the chunks of human rights laws scrapped with the, U with the retain EU law bill. Each of these power grabs commit political violence on our communities. For us MPs in Parliament, the reality is, until we get a general election and kick out this rotten, corrupt government, we are barely tinkering at the edges in our attempts to stop them. The power is with the people, with the millions taking strike action, the protests against these changes and all those standing up in communities saying we won't accept any more shit in our waters or anywhere else from this government. I stand beside all of the workers, campaigners, community groups, trade unions, standing up to this government as all Labour MPs should. It's up to us to fight to defend the right to resist. And I will be there right beside you all as we do. Thank you. Kate, thank you very much. We absolutely know we'll see you on a picket line anywhere that support is needed. And that is, of course, absolutely everywhere. OK, so uh, we're now going to go to uh, our, our second president in the first half of this rally. Uh, Alex Gordon, president of RMT, over to you. Okay, thank you very much, Christine, and hello, everyone. And uh, I just want to say, first of all, solidarity to all the 
ASLEF members who've been taking strike action today uh, across 15 train operating companies up and down Britain. Uh, my union, the RMT, will be joining the strike action tomorrow, uh, Friday, and we look forward to receiving uh, support from other trade unionists uh, for our struggle as well. Uh, I'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, but I think it's important to reflect uh, on where we've come from in the last year, because this has been a momentous year for trade unionists in Britain. And we're one year on now from the day that I remember when my union, RMT, unveiled its uh, strike ballot results in the national rail dispute on the 24th of May, 2022. And I think we need to just take cognizance and take our hats off if we're wearing hats, uh, that, that we need to pay, pay respect to those trade unionists in the RMT working for London Underground, who last week, for the fourth time, delivered a strike ballot result, voting yes for strike action by 96.7%. And th this is the third re-ballot under the Tory anti-union laws that these workers have had to go through, the fourth time that they've had to vote for strike action in defence of their pensions and in defence of their jobs uh, and in opposition to job cuts uh, on London Underground. And the fact that after effectively two years of this gruelling struggle, workers are still prepared to vote in such enormous numbers by such huge majorities for strike action is a real tribute to the spirit of resistance which we have built uh, throughout the Labour movement and particularly through the trade unions uh, by strike action, by protests, by showing solidarity with picket lines, by backing each other up for the last 12 months. I want to say solidarity with Fran Heathcote's members in the PCS who are still fighting. Uh, I want to say solidarity to the NEU, uh, Christine's uh, union uh, that she used to she used to lead, or at least part of the union that uh, she used to lead, part of that union, uh, and indeed to the UCU and the young young doctors, junior doctors, I should say, of the BMA. Look, we've started something and we've got to finish it. And we're facing an implacable enemy, an implacable opponent uh, in the government of Rishi Sunak. The policies which his government are carrying out now around a public sector pay freeze, a pay cap of 2%, uh, which is a real terms pay cut uh, of around about 10% uh, for most of the workers that we represent. That policy was decided before he became Prime Minister when he was still the Chancellor of the Exchequer. And what we're reaping now is the decision of the Tory government in 2021 to make the working class pay for the crisis uh, and the expenditure that took place during the COVID uh, emergency. And by our resistance, we are showing that we're not willing to go along and pay that bill. So we've got to stick with it. We've got to hang tough. Our members on London Underground are showing that they're prepared to do that. And this week, their employer, London Underground, has just contacted the union and asked for talks uh, to look at the question of staffing and the cuts to jobs, which they've been carrying out for the last couple of years, which we've been campaigning against and taking strike action against. So we know we're getting through. We are cutting through, brothers and sisters, comrades. We've got to keep at it. The final thing I just want to say, Christine, if I've got time, uh, is just to make a point uh, about the fact that I think it's an obscenity that needs to be commented on, that at a time when workers 
uh, are struggling to pay the bills, when we can't afford uh, the food price rises and energy price rises, and when we hear that the government supports an increase in interest rates uh, to possibly 5.5% uh, next month. At the same time, we are spending billions and billions of pounds on arms to Ukraine. This is a absolutely uh, improper use of public money. Uh, there are war crimes being created, uh, be, being carried out in the Ukraine with British arms. We've just seen uh, troops uh, belonging to far-right militia using American vehicles, American Humvees, uh, invading uh, Russian territory in the last few days. There are clearly, clearly uses being put to British weapons, which they shouldn't be put to. And we have got to, as a movement, say which side we stand on in this question. We've got to stand against war. We've got to back up our comrades in the ECU, and I take my hat off to them, voting uh, this week uh, to support a motion against arms sales to Ukraine and the Stop the War Coalition. So uh, with that, Christine, okay. I'll finish. Uh, thanks very much. That's great. Thank you very much. Okay, um, just before I go to uh, just before I go to Sam Knights from Green New Deal Rising, I just want to tell you that we've been joined by comrades from Liverpool, of course, from Durham, of course, but also from Oxford, Swansea, Derby, Woking, Leicester, and indeed Indonesia. So please keep tweeting and making sure that everybody knows that this is going on and that they can watch it later. And I've just had a message from Matt Wilbress to say, can he come in before Sam Knights? So, Matt, the floor is yours. Thank you, Christina. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Matt Wilbress. I'm the National Volunteer Organiser for Arise Festival. And thank you, Christine, for your solid chairing. And thank you to all the speakers and different campaigns for joining us today. Um, it's great to see hundreds of you joining us, not only on Zoom, but on dozens of Facebook pages. And thank you to all the different pages of supporting groups and obviously let us stream there, but also on YouTube and on Twitter. Um, please do share and spread the word about this rally on those social media channels and the month-long Festival of Left Ideas, which it is kicking off. Um, Arise reaches our fifth birthday this summer and a lot's changed in the British Labour movement politically over those five years, but we're still here and we still bring the, together those discussions. As Alex said, we've started something in terms of resistance to the Tories and we've got to finish it. That means more action, more amplifying of the voices of those resisting like we're doing today, and also means putting forward the ideas and policies we need for a better socialist world that's run for people, not profit. And that's what we'll be discussing at this year's Arise Festival over the next month, which I urge everyone on this call to buy a ticket for whilst on the call. The link's being posted now, and they start at only £4 to help fund the whole month of over 20 important events. We have international sessions each Monday, starting with an Ireland session next Monday. Key thematic sessions like this each Wednesday evening with the NHS up next. Socialist ideas sessions on Fridays, talking about Gramsci, Pankhurst, you name it, we've got it. And further in-depth discussions every Sunday as well, starting with the Orgreave campaign discussion on culture and the miners' strike and solidarity in the 80s this Sunday. So please do check out all those sessions. But most importantly, please do buy a ticket. As I said, they start at only £4. And each ticket sold helps us fund the infrastructure for the whole thing, which has gone up a lot, like everything else seemingly this year. But we've kept our ticket prices the same. So please do buy that ticket now. And if you want to support us more, please also consider becoming a friend of Arise and making a monthly donation. Thank you very much.
Well, it couldn't be a more important time than to be donating to Arise by buying that ticket and being involved in all those absolutely brilliant activities. Frankly, if you're on the left, you can't afford not to be there, really. So next, we're going to hear from Sam Knight, Green New Deal Rising. Climate campaigners have been at the forefront of government uh, demonstrations of, and protesters, and it's great to have you with us today, Sam. The floor is yours. Solidarity to everyone on this call. Every right we have now was won by protest and by the strike. And now protest and the strike are going to have to defend those rights. The power of protest is going to have to defend protest. And everyone, everyone on the left have to come out and be very, very serious about defending those all important rights. Green New Deal Rising is a movement of young people campaigning for climate justice and a transformative Green New Deal. And we know that climate activists have been at the heart of a lot of this nasty legislation. In the last year, following the uh, passing of the police bill uh, and all of the terrible legislation that we've seen go through Parliament, we've seen climate activists condemned to prison for years for very minor offences. We've seen people being arrested for wearing T-shirts, for attending meetings, hauled out of their homes, the police raiding them at dawn. Climate protesters have been at the heart of this, and therefore we must also be a part of the solution. And we have to play our part in the wider movement, sending solidarity to our brothers and sisters in the trade union movement, campaigning along them to keep hold of these rights. So how did these how did this bill manifest itself? I mean, if you look at the legislation that has passed through Parliament, you will see many laws specifically designed to target XR, JSO, various other climate organisations. You'll now see that it is illegal to disrupt new fossil fuel infrastructure, to disrupt companies criminally looking for new oil fields. We know that the science is telling us that we can have no new oil and gas if we are going to meet our commitments under the Paris Climate Agreement. And yet, what is our government doing? They are passing new laws that will further criminalise protesters who are fighting for a just and survivable, inhabitable planet. We know that this bill, that these demands were championed by a network of right-wing think tanks and right-wing media voices. We know that it was rushed through Parliament, but perhaps it's not worth spending all our time talking about how this happened. Perhaps what we have to focus on now is how we resist. We know that these laws are going to have to be defended on the streets. And for that to happen, we need strong social movements and we need militant trade unions. We all need to come together in networks of solidarity and say, no, we are not going to abide by this. We are going to continue to resist because resistance is important. You see, for now, now, for me, I often think that we have two futures in front of us. We have one future, which is a transformative future in which we stand up to the evils of our time in which we pass transformative policies like the Green New Deal. But there is another future, and I feel this is the future that we are straying towards at the moment, in which we stumble on blindly, in which we allow the crises that we now face, the crisis of capitalism, of inequality, the crisis of democracy, which is fueling the rise of authoritarianism in the far right, and the climate crisis, which threatens our very existence, which we allow these crises to continue defining 
our lives. We must not allow that to happen. We must fight for that transformative future. And that means being militant. That means resisting. That means all of us on this call, when we see protesters being arrested for the most spurious things, when we see dreadful sentences being handed out, that we say, no, we demand a better, just future. And we are going to do that together. And that's why Green New Deal Rising is pledging to continue campaigning, of course, continue campaigning as much as we can. On Friday, we've got a rally outside the Labour Party. On Saturday, we're doing an event in Chingford and we will continue to organise protests up and down this country. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here in solidarity with you all. Great. That's great. Good finish there, Sam. Thank you very much. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that we now have a message from prison. Morgan, who is a climate activist with Just Stop Oil, has sent us a message from prison in which he says, as the government's legitimacy crumbles, it can only rule through fear. Thus, we now see ambiguous new laws which make everything potentially illegal, even bringing placards to a coronation. You can read the whole message in the chat. And I think if we needed any kind of a reminder about how appalling this government is, it's the fact that Morgan's uh, in prison. So thank you for that message, Morgan, and uh, keep the faith. We will be standing with you. OK, we're going to move uh, now to Kim Johnson, MP, who's been prominent in campaigning against the Public Order Bill and so many other attacks on civil liberties. Kim, we're delighted you're here. The floor is yours. Thank you, Christine. And I'd like to start by giving a shout out to the Bakers Union who were on strike yesterday and today at Allied Bakeries again, fighting over pay terms and conditions and send solidarity to all the other unions who are fighting um, alongside them. Good evening, comrades. I'm sending solidarity from the very sunny Social Republic of Liverpool. So pleased to be on a panel with so many great speakers. I'm not only the first black MP to represent the city, but I'm also a very proud Scouser. And I'm very proud to call myself a socialist and I'm proud to be a member of the Socialist Campaign Group. But what you should also know about me is that I've been resisting and protesting all of my adult life and I'm not afraid to put my head above the parapet. And it'll be good to say that about other colleagues, but it's not the case, unfortunately. But you will also know, comrades, that things haven't been good for us on the left. Then I wanted to take this opportunity tonight to resist the challenge by Ali McGovern to unseat my good friend Mickey Whitley from his Birkenhead seat. Some have said an unnecessary challenge because the NEC knew when they made that decision last week that the Wirral West seat was ready and willing for her to step into. But no, they've challenged Mickey, a very solid socialist MP who's challenged government proposals to house refugee-seeking people on prison boats and stood shoulder to shoulder with comrades on many, many pick and lines, unlike his challenger. And we should all resist the Labour Party shenanigans, and I'm going to be controversial by saying that, because that's what's going on at the moment. And while I understand that the mass retreat of um, party members, we've lost 91,000 since last year, and the only way to challenge is to stay and fight from within. 
resistant and protestant is in my DNA because Liverpool is a maverick city. We march to the beat of a very different drum. And our city are no strangers to resisting from being on the picket line and um, being on the streets. And I cut my political teeth on the streets of Liverpool in the 1980s when Thatcher, the milk snatcher, abandoned our city to a policy of managed decline. And in those days, we took to the streets in 1981 to fight back against class and race rule. And sadly, comrades, today we're still fighting the same fight. 13 years of austerity. We've seen millions of kids living in poverty, going to school with empty bellies, public sector workers reliant on food banks. But what did this government do? Try to fix it now. What they do is give tax breaks to the richest 1%, lucrative contracts to their Tory cronies. And today, working people, as we know, are on their knees and they're angry and they've said enough is enough. But what we see is corporate greed and profiteering. It's being ignored by the government and they refuse to increase public wages and budgets. You know, but sadly, this isn't happening. And the ruling elite are doing what they do best in crisis. They're using scapegoats. They're using um, and instigating hatred, putting the finger of blame at trade unions, asylum seeking people, immigrants, black community and trans people. And they're clamping down on our democratic rights to strike and protest and ramping up investment in the police, in the military and the securitization in our education system. But they're eroding our very rights to collectivise and to resist. And we saw what happened with the anti-monarchy demonstrators at the coronation. And we know, or I know, that black people were bear the brunt of these draconian measures. And it is our democratic right to protest peacefully, to join trade unions and hold the powerful to account. But comrades, history does tell us that where injustice prevails, resistance will surely follow. And we've seen that, haven't we, in the last 12 months with the historic strikes with hundreds of thousands of teachers, junior doctors, nurses and civil servants, firemen, posties, rail workers and many more on picket saying enough is enough with widespread support from the government and from the public. But what did the government do? They rushed through the public order bill. The the small boats bill. But what I will say, we have to resist the rolling back on our commitments to the renationalisation of major industry for asylum-seeking people and trans people to be thrown under the bus. OK, I'm rushing now. Comrades, we have to educate, agitate and organise for real change. And as a socialist MP, we will continue to fight in Parliament and we'll see you on the streets and on the picket lines. But remember, comrades, the people united will never be defeated. Solidarity. Great, Kim. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, I know you had to rush at the end there, but it was a very good wrap up there. Thank you very much. OK. And now we move to our next uh, speaker, who is uh, John Hendy Casey. He's one of our foremost experts on workers' rights and, of course, a prominent campaigner with the Campaign for Trade Union Freedom and the Institute of Employment Rights. Uh, John, the floor is yours. We're delighted you're here. Thanks very much, uh, Chris, and um, thank you to Arise for inviting me onto this uh, starry platform. Uh, I wanted to speak about the strikes minimum service level bill, which is currently going through Parliament uh, at the present time. 
it, it, it's objectionable from a number of point of views. But one of them is that it's going to impose uh, minimum services which are required during a strike in six sectors of the economy. And the first four of those sectors are the health services, fire and rescue services, education services and transport services. And what, what is immediately striking is that those are the very sectors for whom we uh, congratulated as being the key workers that kept us going during the, pa the uh, pandemic uh, lockdown, the health sector workers in particular. The government urged us to clap every Thursday night. Now they are taking a uh, legislative action uh, in order to uh, bar them from carrying out the strikes that they need in order to keep their wage levels uh, level with uh, inflation. That's all they're asking for, just to keep up with, with the inflation of prices, energy, housing, uh, and food. I say it's objectionable, not just for that reason, but also because uh, there's a technical reason. And the technical reason is this, that the power to determine what a minimum service level is in a strike is not left to Parliament. It's to be exercised single-handedly by the Secretary of State. And that is not right. We were told in Brexit that power would be uh, returning to Parliament. But this is a piece of legislation which puts power firmly in the hands of the government and not in the hands of Parliament. And what will happen is that the uh, legislation is not set out on the face of the bill, which is only a page and a half with a four-page schedule attached to it, but will be in... Uh, statutory instruments, as the lawyers call them, determined and set out by the Secretary of uh, State. And what will happen is that after the minimum service level for each of these sectors is set, each employer then has a choice as to whether or not to serve a work notice, which will identify the workers that the employer requires to work on any given day of the strike action and the work that that worker will have to do. So the first thing the unions ought to think about if this legislation goes through, as it's likely to do, given the majority that the government have in the House of Commons, first thing they have to think about is making a demand on their employers that they will not ever serve a work notice in the event of a strike. Now, the, the, the last thing I want to say about this bill is this, that to me, the most objectionable part of it is that unions are required to take, quote, reasonable steps to ensure that the workers in, identified in an employer's work notice comply with that, uh, with that notice. That means that the obligation falls on unions to ensure that its own members, who may well have voted for the strike, in a strike which is already obviously past the threshold and the majorities required under the legislation, that the union has to, has to carry out the work of encouraging strike-breaking by its own members. 
Nobody knows what these alleged reasonable steps are. The bill doesn't identify what the factors are. I think that it's 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 completely objectionable for unions to have to carry out the obligations of it of employers and break their own uh, strikes. Commons, that's all I wanted to say about the minimum service level uh, bill. It's in the House of Commons at the moment. In the House of Lords, Chris Blower and I and many other uh, peers were able to put in some amendments which drew the teeth of some of those provisions that I've just mentioned. They've been put back into the bill in the House of Commons and it will then come back to the House of Lords where we'll have to see whether the Lords will stick by their own own, uh, amendments. And eventually it will become uh, will become law. Now, the, the problem that I want to leave you with is this, that the Labour, Part- yeah, the Labour Party uh, introduced a document called a New Deal for Working People, which sets uh, industrial action and workers' rights to rights. And our job in the Labour movement is to insist that the Labour Party does not renege on any of the principles or any of the proposals in a new deal for working people. Thanks for listening. That's great. Thank you very much, John. And of course, if uh, if the minimum service level legislation were only to be discussed by members of the Socialist Campaign Group, it clearly would never, ever get onto the statute book. So let's keep standing firm on that. Thank you very much, John. OK, we're going to move now to Mish Rahman, who is a Labour NEC member and a, a Momentum NCG member. Loads of meetings to go to, Mish. I'm glad you found the time to join us. Over to you. Thank you, Christine. And it's always an honour and a pleasure to join uh, Arise Festival and Arise Rallies. And thank you to Arise for uh, assembling us today with this serious sense of urgency and with this fierce determination to address this grave concern that we have, this assault on our civil liberties by this current Conservative government Our fundamental rights, the pillars upon which our democracy is built, are under attack. And it's time for us to raise our voices. And it's time, high time, to say that no, these relentless attacks on our right to strike and our right to protest. Because this fight is not just about defending our rights. It's about standing up for our class. It's about standing up for vulnerable people. It's about standing up for ethnic minorities. It's for standing up for minority groups and for disabled individuals, those who are the most vulnerable and disproportionately affected by these erosions of rights. And it's time for us and the trade union movement, the grassroots, the grassroots organisations that represent us, and the entire labour movement to rise in opposition and protect the rights of those who need it the most. Just a few months ago, Michael Gove, who's one of the chief architects of the culture war, blamed what he called radical social change activists, for these increasing divisions in Britain, while 30p Lee, also known as Lee Anderson, has also openly admitted that the Tories are intentionally intending to ramp up this culture war against migrants, against refugees, against trans people. And Re- Jer- Jacob Rees-Mogg recently admitted to gerrymandering elections, while Prime Minister after Prime Minister, whether it's Johnson, Truss or Sunak, sit and tell lies and after lies in Parliament. And why is that? That's because this government wants to keep the cost of living crisis off the agenda. 
They want to keep the crippling energy prices off the agenda, the climate emergency off the agenda, the housing crisis off the agenda, the social care crisis off the agenda, rising poverty off the agenda, and the lack of decent pay off the agenda. And this isn't a new strategy. The rich and elite and their Tory mates have been attempting to divide us for years. They divided us with with their divisiveness and continuous increase in xenophobia from this government all the way back to David Cameron's government with their dehumanising language to Theresa May uh, setting up her home office vans with the words go home and with Boris Johnson talking about the way Muslim women dress. And the message has always been that whether you're refugees, whether you're immigrants, whether you're minorities, whether you're Muslims, you've got to be distrusted, hated and abused. And all this aided and abetted by a right-wing press giving cover to the government as they continue their campdown on basic civil rights and putting through draconian bill after draconian bill. The one way we beat this is by being unapologetically anti-racist, not just unapologetically, but unashamedly, unabashedly and audaciously anti-racist. And it's the trade union movement who's always been a beacon of hope for anti-racism, who've been fighting for civil liberties and workers' rights, they fought tirelessly to ensure we get fair wages, safe working conditions and a collective voice for workers. So now more than ever, we need our trade unions to step up and lead the charge against these assaults on our civil liberties and rally us together and organise and use our collective power to demand this change, to help us mobilise our members, raise awareness and to advocate for the fair legislation. But to the UK trade union movement, I do say this, where there is a vacuum of leadership, unite our voices stand strong and lead us in the fight for justice. But obviously the trade unions can't fight this battle alone. The UK Labour Party and the Labour movement has to play this role as well. So to the UK Labour Party, I say, to wrap up, what is the moral purpose of our nation? So you have to embrace the responsibility that's bestowed upon you and you have to be the voice of the people and you have to drive the force between progress and equality and you have to advocate for policies that defend the rights of working class individuals, of ethnic minorities, of disabled people. And you have to be the unwavering defenders of justice and inclusivity. Because if you don't do this, the question remains, what is the moral purpose of our nation? Thank you, comrades. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, and we're gonna move uh, swiftly on now to Rob Poole from Strike Map, which has emerged and turned into an extremely important tool for the Labour and Trade Union movement. Rob, the floor is yours. Thanks, Christine. Um, Comrades, thank you for inviting me to this important rally tonight. Um, I'm honoured to be invited here uh, to talk about strike maps. So the aim of strike maps is really quite simple, is to document and present the levels of strike action in the country. Um, When we started it, we started off with a a handful of pins on a a Google map, um, and now we've got uh, hundreds of thousands of strikes on our map. We've had millions of viewers on our map, um, and it's gone... the uh, it's gone wild really which we we didn't expect um so the aim was to document these levels of strike enable others to see um and pass messages of solidarity um onto striking workers and we stand united with all workers who are on strike up and down the country the teachers and nurses those that those that were not long ago called key workers by the government and by the press today were called militants um we stand with our friends and family who are being forced to use food banks because of decades of Tory austerity and misrule. And we're standing here today to fight for justice and fairness. 
um, because we've been pushed too far, we've been exploited too much for too long. Um, we're here today to say enough is enough, to demand better, to demand respect and demand our voices are heard. And our struggle is not just about um, us as individual workers, but it's about the entire working class. We're fighting for our rights and dignities of all workers. And our struggle is about the future of work and what kind of society that we want to live in. Do we want to live in a society where workers are treated as disposable resources, where companies put prioritise profits over people, where the rich get rich and the poor get poorer? Or do we want a society where work is dignified, where workers are valued, where everyone has access to basic necessities of healthcare, education and housing? And comrades, our choice is clear. And we know that the only way to achieve this is through collective action. And we know that we cannot win this fight alone, but we can win it together. Workers are on strike up and down the country because their demands have been ignored for too long. We ask for decent wages, decent working conditions, properly funded healthcare, education, and instead we're met with silence, indifference, hostility. We've been told that our demands are too costly or too radical or too, too unrealistic, but we know that these demands are not only reasonable, but they are necessary. So workers are on strike, and we can see this with those thousands of pins on strike map because they're tired of being treated as expendable resources and we're tired of working long hours forever falling pay and we're tired of being subjected to unsafe working conditions and denied our basic rights and protections and we're tired of being undervalued and disrespected but comrades we're not just tired we're angry and we're angry that our government has failed us and we're angry that they've chosen those profits over people and we're angry that they've been ignoring our voices and the voices of everyone every worker in this country but we're also hopeful and we're hopeful that we can create a better future together. As comrades, we do have the power to make this happen. We've got the power to demand change. We've got the power to create a better future for ourselves and for generations to come. But we must be united and stand together in solidarity and not let the government divide us. It's only through a militant, mass organised defiance of the working class that we can make this anti-strike laws that they will get through Parliament unworkable. And that's what we're, why we're working hard to build the fight. We've set up strike clubs up and down the country. We've got political education groups and reading clubs. We're hosting our Troublemakers Conference in Manchester this summer, Saturday, July 29th. So I hope you can come along to that. And I'm asking you to finish, to call on you to stand with me and stand with all the workers on strike. Use Strike Map, visit Picket Line, send a message of solidarity if you can't. If you can, then stand shoulder to shoulder with those striking workers and demand justice and fairness. Demand that our voices are heard demand that our demands are met for fair pay, an end to austerity, an end to privatisation, an end to these anti-trade union laws for dignity and respect. But I also call on you never to give up hope, never to give in, never to be defeated, because together we can create a better future and together we can win this fight. Thank you, comrades. Excellent, Rob. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. And you know, who knows how we managed before strike map. So it's brilliant that we've actually got it. Okay, there are lots of, uh, there are lots of really good comments uh, coming in in the chat. Richard says, let's fight harder than ever and get the wider public joining us. The strikes so far have been good and so have Just Stop Oil's recent efforts. Let's build on that. And Moz says, we need to settle this before they call an election. We need a real united front action in order to in order to defeat the monopolies and their governments. Uh, good to read out. Uh, there, there is some really good stuff. And I think that Mozzie's remarks uh, and Richard's are definitely worth it. OK, and then we're going to and now we're going to go to uh, Zeta. Uh, 
Zita Holborn, who is speaking to us on behalf of Barack UK, Black Activists Rising Against the Cuts. Zita, delighted to see you. The floor is yours. Thank you, Christine. Greetings. Good evening, everybody. Um, we faced a multiple onslaught of attack on Black, Brown and migrant people in the UK. We've always, always had to resist. We've always had to protest. And this series of bills that we've seen come through this year disproportionately impacts on our communities. We've had to resist and protest, not because we had a choice and we chose to, but because we had no choice in order to survive. From climate displacement to persecution to mass deportations to inhumane detentions to police brutality, discrimination and victimization at work, the disproportionate impact of cuts, the pandemic, um, the cost of living crisis now, the Windrush scandal, and we mustn't forget that this is the Windrush 75 anniversary, but despite the celebrations that will take place next month, um, many people still haven't received compensation. Many people have died without receiving any compensation. We have to fight, we have to resist, and we have to do that even in our own movement where we are many times blocked. It's essential that the left and trade unions have their own house in order if we want anybody else to take us seriously. We, shan't, we can't leave anybody else behind. We all need to be at the forefront of struggle if we're impacted by um, abuse, if we're impacted by discrimination, if we're impacted by hostility, if we're impacted by cuts, and that includes black and brown and migrant communities and people. Our skills, our talents, our rights uh, must be recognized, must be respected within and without our movement if we want society to take us seriously. What lies ahead of us is a big struggle. And that means we have to protest if we want to gain our freedom. Freedom was never gained through silence. So irrespective of the blocks and the policies and the laws um, we saw during the pandemic, Black Lives Matter protests on our streets, people resisting the impacts of colonialism, the legacies of colonialism and fighting against police brutality and in solidarity with the loved ones of George Floyd after he was brutally murdered. Black Lives Matter at work, Black Lives Matter in elections, they matter in education, they matter on our streets and we must have a seat at the table, we must have a voice in the world and we must defend our right to protest. And that includes everybody standing with those who faced the most oppression. We mustn't leave anybody behind and we must speak out when we see or hear racism, whether it's in our movement or on our streets or in our workplace or in our universities. Solidarity. Thank you so much. That's, uh, that's great. Uh, and it's good to be reminded that people were on the streets during the pandemic. Uh, in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I'm now going to move to uh, Chris Peace of the All Grieve Truth and Justice campaign. Those, as she always tells us, as others do too, who don't learn from history, are doomed to repeat it. Chris, over to you. Thank you, and thanks again to Arise for including us. Uh, throughout the 84-85 miners' strike, striking miners and their supporters were attacked by a paramilitary police operation 
with all grief being one of the worst days of state-ordered police violence. This month, our All Grief Truth and Justice campaign marks the 39th anniversary of the police riot at the All Grief Coking Plant just outside Sheffield. It was a pivotal moment in our trade union history, but it was also a turning point in how protest is policed. The policing of protests today is one of the most controversial and political acts of the current government. And you can go back four decades to look at how such an aggressive model has been developed, used, and is now legislated for in the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Act last year and the Public Order Act earlier this year. We've had a horrifying journey of political policing from Warrington, Orgreave, Wapping, Hull Tax, fighting against criminal justice bill, anti-racist protests, student protests, and all the things that we're fighting against now. Political policing leads to arrests. It sometimes leads to show trials. We hear plenty about the arrests, but very little when trials collapse because of a lack of evidence or even falsification of evidence. Leon Britton, Home Secretary at the time of the miners' strike, was never off the tally, saying that the miners charged should feel the full weight of the law, namely life imprisonment. He was nowhere to be seen when those trials collapsed. All grief was political policing in full throttle. It was accepted by officers, giving evidence during the 1985 trial that the violent tactics of the police were used to terrify the striking miners. Officers even said that they'd been told by their seniors that a minor simply being present was grounds for arrest. Lawyers who attended the aftermath of that day in police stations witnessed the horrific injuries sustained by some and commented at the time it was a miracle that no one died as a result of the policing tactics used. I want to reference the role of the mainstream media the attacks on the miners, along with the lies about Liverpool fans at Hillsborough, are all being repeated to whip up hate against today's protesters. Whether you are resisting racism or fascism, fighting climate change or asserting your trade union rights, objecting to the monarchy or fighting for historic miscarriages of justice, the new anti-protest laws of this government has you you in their gaze and it wants to suppress you the media has demonized you before you've even got a chance of getting justice and for us in the all grief truth and justice campaign the serious disruption prevention orders puts activists like us campaigning for justice at the risk of being criminalized for campaigning for justice And in the shadow of all of this, I just want to remind people of the Covert Human Intelligence Sources Act that was passed before all of this anti-protest laws. This gives state spies complete freedom to infiltrate any activist group that they see as a threat and immunity against prosecution for any acts, criminal acts they commit whilst being undercover. I've concentrated on policing because we all should be very scared at the laws that are now in. As the All Grief Truth and Justice campaign has always maintained, our struggle for justice is not simply an act to right the wrongs of the past. We've always said that if there had been an inquiry into All Grief, 
then the police and government would not be able to justify their actions against protesters today. And this is why our fight for justice is inextricably linked to the injustice we see now. We must protect our rights to resist and we must do that collectively. And remember, solidarity is an action. It's an act, not just a word. So comrades, sisters and brothers, let's act. Brilliant, Chris. Thank you very much. Always, always so clear, always so passionate about reminding us about everything that we we need to do and where we've come from. It's absolutely right about the covert intelligence bill that went through before. It's appalling. People, so much bad stuff is happening. You can easily forget all the bad stuff that's already happened. Thank you very much for being with us, Chris. Okay, I'm going to move now to uh, Miriam Kane of the Black Liberation Alliance. Miriam, the floor is yours. Nice to see you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm delighted to be joining you from the Black Liberation Alliance for this important meeting. I'm one of the co-founders of the Black Liberation Alliance, a student and youth organization which has come together to demonstrate the unity of African, Asian, Arab, Caribbean and other Black Indigenous communities. Um, I fully uh, support this meeting in its aim to defending the right to protest. Protesters are often demonized at the time when they make a stand, but celebrated decades later. Statues of the suffragette and Nelson Mandela now stand in Parliament Square. We take courage from the United Jewish and Irish communities who defeated the black shirt in Cable Street when Nazis were on the rise in the 1930s. We are inspired by the women of Greenham Common, those who protested against the poll tax and those who stopped fracking. So where it's so whether it's fighting for women to have the right to vote, toppling racist, anti-Semite and fascist, challenging Cold War, fighting Tory cuts or stopping environmental damage, protest is, a, is, a life, is the lifeblood of our history and the necessary tool for a better world. The Public Order Act will increase stop and search powers, which is already associated with racism against Black communities. Now they are going to be extended to protesters too. The Tories are passing laws to give... Um, the attacks come hand in hand with a whole sweep of other attacks. The Tories are passing laws to give even more rights to, to the police at a time when the Met Police is full of racist and sexist scandals to attack the trade union's right to strike. This government is struggling, protest is, is targeting protests because it wants to stop a highlight um, as highlighting what is that, that is incapable. Because they are the party of the millionaires um, and the 1%. They are incapable of stopping oil companies. They are incapable of, of stopping oil companies fueling climate change, incapable of stopping energy companies that are responsible for the cost of living crisis. And to distract attention, they are rounding on vulnerable communities like migrants and asylum seekers. They say, stop the boat. I say, stop the racism. Stop Suela Beverman. Stop the energy companies that are hiking up our bills. Stop evicting the poor. Stop the new Cold War with China and stop climate change. 
Right now, the Public Order Act is in final stages in Parliament. The government is passing measures to redirect, redefine serious uh, disruption as more than minor disruption. This is an all-out attack on peaceful, non-violent protests. So if a Black Lives Matter march gets too unwieldy or inconvenient, the school strikes mobilize globally to challenge um, climate breakdown, or a trade union march has a massive turnout, this democratic expression for a better world could be on the wrong side of the law. The, the whole point of protest is to shake things up when the system is wrong. As internationalists from Senegal, I'm seeing clamping down on protests against the Senegalese authoritarian regime. Peaceful protests have been killed. Peaceful protesters have been killed and arrested just for standing up against their government. Protest is a right here and is a right there. That is why we must stand up for protest rights. And I'm asking you guys today as well in solidarity for the Senegalese protesters to go on Twitter and look at the hashtag Free Senegal and look at what the youth are doing over there and give them the solidarity as their fight there is our fight here. Let's make sure we do all we can to ensure the laws are stopped revoked and condemned to the, dis to the dustbin of history. Thank you. That's great. Thank you very much indeed, Miriam. Yes, and everyone I'm sure will uh, will have a look at the situation in Senegal. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is uh, is Phil Clark. He, I've known Phil for a long time. He's, uh, he's the vice president currently of the National Education Union, a wonderfully uh, a wonderfully democratic but fighting union, and uh, I'm delighted that Phil could join us. Over to you. Thanks, Christine. Yeah, and it's uh, it's really good to be here. Um, I'm just going to really quickly talk through our current action and a bit about um, what I see the impact of the uh, new anti-union laws, new anti-union laws being. I mean, our the National Education Union action is is overpay, and we shouldn't make any, you know, um, apologies for that. You know, we all know how expensive everything's getting, and um, people who are working in schools doing a difficult job like teaching or working as support staff, they should and deserve um, decent pay. But it's it, it's obviously not just about pay for our members. Um, it is also about school funding. It's also about the ability of schools to recruit and retain teachers. And it's very much... Um, boiling over of, of, of 10 years of, of frustration, frustration at privatisation, frustration at cuts, frustration at a very authoritarian, deprofessionalising culture in, in too many schools. But we've gone um, forward to organise and ballot over pay. And our original ballot, which took place um, about five months ago now, that was a huge challenge. And it was very much the sort of ballot that the anti-union laws brought in in 2016 were designed to make impossible. The government did not think a union like ours, where we're not only balloting hundreds of thousands of members, but really crucially balloting those members over, well, over 22,000 workplaces had to be organised to get through the thresholds. You know, that's what it was that sort of ballot that the anti-union laws were supposed to make impossible. Now, we did have lots of uh, technology and we're very keen to uh, talk to other unions about the technology we use to get through those ballots. But that's not the main reason we managed to succeed. The main reason we managed to succeed is because we focused on workplace organisation, reps delivering, talking to members face to face and getting that vote out. And, and because we managed to build and have been over a number of years building 
our workplace organization we were able to smash through the thresholds in the biggest the, the biggest union to ever get through the um currently standing anti-union thresholds since we've done that we've called a number of strike days um, both national and regional we filled trafalgar square with tens of thousands of our members alongside the bma and and other unions um, we forced the first ever pay offers pay offer outside of the um, pay review body system we've had in 40 years. You know, as long as I've been alive, we've never had a pay offer until we've <laughs> one through strike action. Um, and that pay offer was uh, when we put it to our members, the government said we can't put it to our members. We called their bluff. We put it up to our members and 98% of our members on a huge turnout in a week. We got two thirds of our members to vote um, rejected that. The BBC are saying our strikes are stronger on the last day of action than they were on the first day. And that's a really impressive place to be. Now, we're gearing up for more strikes in July. We're also going through a reballot. I think it's telling that our, our, the amount of people we're balloting this time is 60,000 more than we balloted the first time. That is a huge growth. And it shows that where unions fight, they will grow. Now, I think just um, I think we're going to win this dispute. I think we're going to win a significant pay rise for our members. And I think we're going to change the game on school funding. It will be because we've stood up for ourselves. But just in the last 30 seconds, I just want to talk about these new anti-union laws, because I think the previous ones were brought in. The government didn't think, you know, large uh, scale action would, would be possible. We, we've organised past them. And I think you look at any of the unions, the RMT, the CWU, um, you know, UCU, many others who've been taking action, what they've managed to do is organise past them. Now, these new anti-union laws, what the government is saying is no matter how well organised you are, we will force your members to go into work. Now, I think there's two things uh, I just want to highlight we need to do from a leadership level at the unions. We need to coordinate better. We need to work together. We need to put aside our sectional differences because this is a massive threat to our movement. And I think at a local level, we say we can organise past these. Every single person in every single rally that's going on on the left, what have you got to do? You've got to go into work. You've got to organise a union. Because if we can come out with higher levels of organisation, we will be able to beat these um, new anti-union laws. We will be able to make them inoperable. And we will be able to defend our right to strike and we will be able to win for our members. So thank you very much for your time. That's great, Phil. Thank you very much. I'm delighted that we had someone from the NEU on this evening and uh, I mean it's a real worked example of, of workplace organising and how we really can as you say organise past all these difficulties uh, it's a growing union it's fantastic thank you very much okay I'm delighted to tell you comrades that uh, we've now been joined by Bel Ribeiro Addy who had to go in a cab to get here so I hope you're uh, I hope you've recovered and taken a breath before you actually have to speak to us all. It's, I'm delighted that you're here. Everybody knows who Belle is. I don't need to introduce her. She's fantastic. The floor is yours, Belle. Thank you uh, very much, Christine. And, and I'm sure you've, you've heard it all uh, today already, but we have to remember that our country's tradition of t dissent has actually paved the way for all of the rights and, and freedoms that we have, all of the rights and freedoms uh, that I have. We were um, a country once that believed that you could own people that looked like me and that women wouldn't have, shouldn't have the opportunity to vote and could own no property. All of those things um, that make somebody of my class, race and gender uh, be able to have the rights that I have today, all of them were won by protest. 
every single one of them. It wasn't, you know, little conversations here or or governments all of a sudden bestowing benevolence. It was movements rising up and people using that fundamental right that we're meant to have in this country because protest is uh, an important part of a democratic country. It's the driving factor that allows our free speech. However, this current government only seems concerned about freedom of speech when they want to let a fascist speak on a university campus. Now we're seeing all of the different pieces of legislation uh, culminating together in this, this huge draconian backlash aimed quite largely at our trade unions. Um, these are the only organisations, as you've heard, that are capable of fighting back against this relentless attack um, that we have on the working class. And the government at the moment are not even trying to sugarcoat it. They know that their economic policies are, are so unpopular um, that they need to resist every single fight back um, that we have against it. And that's why the onslaught of legislation has been uh, the, the way it has. And, 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 you know, they're going even further and we think about all the powers that they're giving the police, uh, criminalising those who call for change, ramping up all the, those police powers against our, dem our demonstrations. And all of these legislation all adds up to um, uh, disadvantaging our poorest and most marginalised communities. The reality that, that I see is that everything they've put forward so far um, is not changing the way we have a relationship with police. They need to be completely overhauled. And that's something that we've seen uh, from the Baroness case review. Trust and confidence is low in black communities. It's low in working class communities. And we know that it, criminal justice system continues to be held back by institutional racism. So giving the police more powers, including the right to smash all of those movements that have won us these rights and that stand up for the most marginalized in community does nothing uh, to, to help us. And we need to recognize that the loudest voices at the moment are the right-wing press. They're dominating the narrative around protest, um, around um, migrants, um, and and you know look just look at what they're doing with the small boats crossing. Now we need to be on in in the right place um, on, on this issue, and I really do worry about where we're going um, in terms of our rhetoric on Im immigration. There are no votes to be won, I think, in 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 trying to make out as if immigrants. Are, are the issue and it's clear we're never going to oppose these draconian for forces without first defending migrant rights so we have to confront those in our own ranks um, that would use the idea that migrant migrants drive down wages as a way to entertain those anti-migrant sentiments and we have to be clear uh, that it's, it's the predatory employers the weakened trade union rights and this austerity authoritarian government that drives down those wages socialist movements have never ever won by conceding on their values and we're not going to start now now, whilst we were um, at, at, at some point moving in, in the right way, we've seen now an attack on, on our voting rights. And that's a major, major problem. And I want to point um, you all to something that I don't think a lot of people know. There are a large number of migrant workers um, that come to the UK from Commonwealth nations um, in, in this country. We have a really awful narrative at the moment about there being too many migrants in this country, mainly pointing at people crossing in small boats who are, I would add are fleeing some of the worst persecution. But there are a lot of people who come here specifically on, 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 on visas to work in our public sector, have paid taxes here and also pay extortionate um, visa fees to be here. And what a lot of people don't realize, and some of these individuals themselves, is that they can actually vote in local and general elections. 
all of these individuals, if you're here as a student, if you're here on one year visa, two year visa, three, five, indefinite leave to remain, if you are from a Commonwealth nation, you are able to vote in, register to vote in these elections. And because the government has been so intent on making it even more hostile, the, the thing about this is that every single one of those individuals has something that some people who are British nationals do not have. They have ID. They have those photo registration, those biometric cards that they've been so obsessed about putting on migrants. They are able to. So I think about in 2021, the fact that 896,000 people came from India or 312,000 people came from Nigeria all to work in this country. And I would wonder what they would have to say at a polling station if they knew that they had the opportunity to vote this awful government that continues to affect their right as individuals to work and live freely in this country. So I'm encouraging all of our trade unions to, to go to their migrant workers, of which we know there are many, and encourage them to register to vote because like the black community in this country overall, they can significantly change the outcome of, of, of this general election. Now, we, we have to remember that- Get when that we, you we, off in a minute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When, when our, when our, when our movements were able to do things like de defeat uh, fascists in Germany, in Italy, Spain, the, the black shirts in, in, in the UK, we moved to a place where we were able to build a fairer post-war society. And a product of this was the NHS, which we celebrate 75 years to this year and that the government are completely trying to decimate. So we need to desperately be united um, in our movements and step up uh, the fight for workers' rights, uh, but within doing that, making sure we step up the fight against anti-migrant sentiments and racism. Thank you. That's great. Thank you so much, Bella. I'm so glad you actually uh, managed to join us. Okay, so before we move to our final speaker, I'm just gonna make a, a couple of concluding remarks. I'm gonna say that I said at the beginning, that this would be uh, inspirational and, uh, and motivating. And I think indeed it has been. And I just want to thank again all the volunteers who did all the tech stuff to make it possible. Look, the single key message from all that you've heard from this evening, from all of the campaigns, from all the individuals, is that people are on the march against the Tories. People cannot put up with this hideously right-wing government any longer with the attacks on our civil liberties and on our democratic rights. And, uh, and we must stand up to all this, all this forces of reaction and the, and the authoritarian agenda in communities and in workplaces. We have to stand together and we have to fight back. And if the Labour front bench isn't leading the fight, well, those of us who want to stand collectively together must raise our voices and make sure that we do. In moving forward, it's really important that we are campaigning against the Tories and that we're working in Labour for the socialist policies, which we know are popular and that that has to go alongside party democracy. <clears throat> so please take on board all the action that links that were um, that we that you've been seeing. Make sure that you donate to things if you possibly can become a supporting a friend of, uh, of Arise and make sure you buy your ticket for the Arise uh, Online Festival Ideas 2023 uh, and make sure that you follow our uh, media partner, Labour Outlook. <clears throat> and don't forget that if we don't sell the tickets, there won't be any more events like this. So make sure that if you possibly can, you do buy one. And now we come to our final speaker, <coughs> oh dear, excuse me, who is always extremely good value and ever optimistic 
however difficult the situation is. John McDonald MP, the floor is yours. Thanks, Christine. And can I just reiterate your um, expressions about Arise? The Arise Festival is actually fundamentally important that brings people together. So I urge people to sign up and it's important that we sustain Arise activities. Thanks for the Arise volunteers for organising tonight. I want to sum up very, very quickly some of the discussions that we've had tonight. Um, first of all, what we've heard, and I think it's completely true, we're in a climate of repression that's unprecedented. We haven't seen levels of oppression like this since the 1980s. Why? Let's just be clear why this is happening. We're in a classic crisis of capitalism. It's a classic crisis because it's the declining rate of profit. What then happens is capital wants to restore profitability. How does it do it? It attacks the working class to make them pay. That comes in many forms, but it's usually, as we've seen, cuts in wages and conditions, but cuts in the social wage as well, austerity. But we've also seen in this crisis, possibly different from other crises, is actually we know now they're even willing to sacrifice the whole future of the planet just to restore their profits. So... My view is this crisis isn't going to go away. It's not going to go away anytime soon. In fact, there's real potential now, I warn you, of the destabilisation of the economy through the crises that are occurring in the shadow banking, the unregulated shadow banking sector. And so the closer the Tories come to losing power, the fiercer will be the and the harsher will be their oppressive measures. And don't underestimate the ability also for them to shift to a much more authoritarian right in which they link up with some of the worst elements of the right within our society as well. So what do we need to do? The things that have come out of tonight's discussion are very clear. Everyone has mentioned that we need to create and build a coalition against repression, bringing all those organisations across our civil society together to mobilise. I actually do think what's been said tonight is right. I think the the, the organisation that we can rely upon the most that has the resources to do this is the trade union movement. So we now need to start entering into discussions within the trade union movement about how we build that coalition against repression, how we link up with other organisations. It doesn't have to be one body form. It can be a multiple range of actions that can be agreed and called for in solidarity. I also think that, as you've seen tonight, there are a number of Labour representatives in this discussion this evening are willing to take on that role of helping bring forward that coalition against repression. We need to ensure that's extended and the responsibilities of the Labour leadership is recognised as here. That's the first step. The second step, well, it is about speaking out at every opportunity we can to call out the repression that's taking place. That's why I'm pleased that the, there was a reference tonight and we received that message from prison from the Extinction Rebellion and Just Oil protesters who've been partially treated within the courts. Two to three years sentences are appalling. They demonstrate the extent to which the judicial system can be used to repress actions that are simply trying to ensure that we have a future for our children. I think we also need to ensure that we speak out and be advocates for every strike action that's taking place, as we've seen today. So I'm pleased that Alex was here to mention what's happening with the railway workers. Kim made the point about the historic dispute that's taking place in Liverpool at the moment by the Bakers Union and also a frown from PCS, the continuing campaign that's taking place among civil servants, um, who actually in the industrial disputes that have taken place so far and the wage offers have been treated the, the most harshly by the government itself. Can I also say as well, 
speaking out as Bell has just done with regard to the repression with regard to asylum seekers and, and others. We've got to stand in solidarity with them and call out the government's actions that are taking place. And in particular, the ongoing direction of the government towards this Rwanda deportation policy. In addition to creating the coalition, in addition to speaking out, and obviously we need to make sure that we all act. And that is exactly what people have said. When those picket lines are formed, you join them. When those demonstrations are called, you join them. But in addition to that, we've got to now start taking seriously, as John Hendy has said, the implications of the minimum service legislation. What will happen there is individual trade unions will be sacked if they refuse to comply with their employers' instructions to work to break a strike. Trade unions will be fine. So we've got to start planning now for when that first worker is sacked, when that first trade union is fined under this legislation, that we have coordinated action across the labour and trade union movement, but also we have coordinated action across civil society. And if that means getting out on the streets of civil disobedience, well, this legislation has to be defeated in some, some form. Finally, let me just say this as well. In addition to those actions to fend off these repressive me measures, we've now got to start making demands too. And what we should be demanding is a reform program, a reform against repression. That means as we enter into this period in the run-up to the next general election, we agree a program that's needed in government against repression. And it starts with commitment to scrap the Public Order Act. Commitment not just to scrap the anti-trade union legislation, but to introduce that programme that has been prepared by the Institute of Employment Rights, John Hendy, Keith Ewing, Andy MacDonald and CAD and others, because that will ensure that we have trade union rights restored in this country and we will shift the balance of power from capital to working people and the working class. The third point for me as well in all of this is about reform of the justice system, which we demand the right of access to representation, the right of access to justice. And that means reform of legal aid and ensuring that people are able to defend themselves in the courts when actions are taken against them, whether they be by employers or other institutions or by government. So my final point is this. What this rally has done tonight is alert us all that we have to stand ready, stand ready to get involved in every dispute possible, in every act of resistance possible, and they're also in campaigning for that reform programme against repression that's so desperately needed. We've got to make this uh, an immediate issue, of course, in all those struggles, but also we've got to make this as one of the central campaigns of the forthcoming general election whenever it comes. We need to transform our society from one of repression to one of freedom once again. Solidarity. Brilliant, as ever. Thank you very much indeed for closing our rally. John, it just falls to me to say... Uh, from all of you who've been listening, the hundreds of hundreds of you, thank you very much to all our brilliant speakers. Uh, and obviously, from all the speakers, thank you to everyone who joined in. It was inspiring. It was motivating. It will get fiercer and harsher, as John has just said. But actually, we have the resources and we have the power to fight against this repression. We must build resistance and we must do it together. So let's get on with it, comrades. Thank you. Solidarity and good night.